We did a deep dive of last year. Why is Massachusetts outperforming California? Why has New Jersey made some real progress in the last few years? It's not that damn complicated. It was a steady focus on the basics, and none more important than investing in our teachers. Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Well, John, I think a lot of people around the state spent a good chunk of the week going through Governor Gavin Newsom's budget for the coming year that he proposed about a week ago. A lot of money in there for education. You know, we made the job easier, Lewis. We went through it, and last week we reported extensively on early ed through higher ed, and it's all in ed source. Yeah, it was a really a team effort. And rather than relying on our in-house expertise, we also put out the word to education leaders around the state to get their thoughts, and 44 of them responded. And you can read what they said on our website. Good comments from a lot of people. A good cross-section. Really, it makes you feel hopeful about California education. You know, really extraordinary people out there in the trenches doing great work. But we thought we'd let you hear directly from some of those who contributed. Here's Edgar Zazueta from the Association of California School Administrators. We believe the Newsom administration's desire to pursue special education reform is arguably the most significant part of the education budget this year. With that said... Coming to compromises or solutions that are going to work for everybody is not going to be easy, but one does have to admire the governor's attempt to be responsive to one of the most challenging education policy issues facing our schools today. Well, Lewis, let's hear from someone else. This is Sarah Lillis, Executive Director of Teach Plus California, a nonprofit organization that trains teachers to take on leadership roles. How can you help but be excited about an additional $900 million going to recruitment and preparation and professional development for teachers? At the same time, we hope that the governor also invests in strengthening the system for evaluating their impact. If these investments are intended to build a diverse teaching force and to ensure that every child in California has a well-prepared, a well-supported, and effective teacher in their classroom, We need to have comprehensive information on the effect these programs are having on teacher diversity and on retention and on distribution. Well, Sarah's comments are right on the mark because what we're going to be doing now is going a bit deeper into Governor Newsom's proposals for education. And of course, the most outstanding feature of his proposals was an almost $1 billion that he wants the legislature to approve for teacher recruitment and preparation. Big problem in California schools, underprepared teachers, and a shortage of teachers in many key areas. That money is about a quarter of the total increase for K-12 education, so it is a significant expenditure. It's probably the largest in decades for teacher development, recruitment, and professional development. And for those of you reading the tea leaves on education, maybe not that big of a surprise. This issue of teacher preparation and underpreparedness has been a major priority for Linda Darling-Hammond, who is president of the State Board of Education. In a role as head of the Learning Policy Institute, the Institute put out several reports documenting the fact that a large percentage of new teachers coming into California schools have temporary credentials, intern credentials, not always a bad thing because we do need to get new people into the profession, often from other careers, but these are teachers who don't get the full preparation that is ideal 
for being most effective in the classroom. Well, Linda was also head of the California Commission for Teacher Credentialing, and so she had a significant role there, and she also had Jerry Brown's ear. And so Jerry Brown started some of these programs that we'll be talking about, teacher residencies, and also a program to bring hourly workers, teachers' aides, to get them a credential, send them through college, and pay for that too. But this is such a larger expansion of that program that Governor Newsom wants to put through. Well, in fact, Governor Newsom wants to set aside $175 million of the $900 million for something called teacher residencies, which place aspiring teachers with a veteran teacher for a year. It's based on the medical model of medical residencies. So often you'll hear this term clinical practice, but it's practice experience with kids in the classroom. Right. And there have been some programs in California. Aspire Charter Schools, for example, has been in this for about a decade, and many of its teachers go through residency. So it's not totally new in California, but nothing, again, of this magnitude. Well, we're very pleased to have on the line Marquita Grenoche-Shire. She's Assistant Vice Chancellor for Educator Preparation and Public School Programs for the California State University. That's very long title, but in effect, Marquita coordinates teacher preparation for the CSU system, 23 campuses, and has a big job because actually CSU produces more than half the teachers in California schools. Uh, welcome, Marquita. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here this morning with you. I just wanted to start off about your overall reactions to the governor's budget. I mean, he came in with this very, very big chunk of, well, not really change. This is $900 million. Uh, that That's real money. What was your uh, overall reaction to that? I was very pleased. It was a very good way to end a Friday evening last week. I look forward to seeing how this evolves over the next couple of months until we get to the final budget. I think his investment builds upon the prior investment of Governor Brown. I just wanted to then segue into one of the programs that the governor is backing, and that's to support teacher residencies. Briefly, what is a teacher residency? So a teacher residency is a pathway by which our candidates are embedded in schools. They have an extended clinical experience in a school where they're working alongside an experienced classroom teacher and their university supervisor. So the, the quality of the preparation is very different from the experience of our other candidates who may be in a school for one semester. So they really are embedded. They see the beginning of the school year all the way to the end of the school year. And I think one of the key issues is that they are actually paid. Is that correct? That is correct. So depending upon the residency model, there is a wage that goes along with it. It varies across the country. The teacher residency models in California are offering $10,000 per student. But regardless of what the amount is, what our students tell us, is having support while they are in this clinical experience allows them to really focus on their development as a teacher. And it reduces the number of part-time positions that our students have to take in order to support their education in the CSU. So you've had experience with teacher residencies and you've had partnerships with districts. Tell us about that. Yes, the, the CSU has a long history of partnerships with our K-12 colleagues most recently and most notably, we have been supported by the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation in a grant called the New Generation of Educators Initiative. And this work really helped our campuses to 
deepen and strengthen the clinical partnerships with their school districts. Together, they developed criteria for choosing a mentor. Together, they developed tools and resources and other strategies that allow our candidates, again, to have that qualitatively different experience. And so, yes, the CSUs had a long history with residency programs. You've probably seen some studies of other places, and they said that they help with retention. Do you know why that is so? I do, and I'm glad you raised that question because I appreciate the governor's proposed investment in recruitment, but the other half of the story is retaining these teachers. So You mean retaining once they are on the job and they've gotten their credential that they'll stick with the profession? Is that is that what you're referring to? That is exactly what I'm referring to. And so the national literature indicates that students who are prepared in residency programs are retained for more years than students who are prepared in more traditional pathways. So we're looking forward to being able to demonstrate that with the CSU programs. How does this differ from student teaching? I mean, uh, a student teacher also works under the guidance of an experienced teacher. What's the difference here? Some of our traditional credential programs, student teaching is for one semester. In residency programs, it's a full year. Again, the student is seen the beginning of the school year all the way to the end of the school year. The other difference is in the relationship that is developed over time among the university supervisor, the district clinical supervisor, and the student teacher herself. So they are working hand in hand to develop the curriculum and the instructional strategies for the diverse students. So those are the primary differences. We're talking with Marquita Grinot-Shire. She's Assistant Vice Chancellor at CSU. I, I was also struck by what you just said about the stipend, which uh, I think you mentioned was about $10,000 in many districts. That doesn't seem like that much to attract potential teachers to the residency. We always wish it would be more, and some of the national teacher residency programs offer a living wage of 30000 But what our students report is this investment, even though it's not, quote-unquote, a living wage, it's enough for them to have to be able to reduce the number of part-time jobs they have to do on the weekends so they can devote more time to their studies. So would I like all of our residents to have a living wage? That would be terrific. I don't think at this point we can we can do that in California. One of the goals also of the governor's proposed budget is to increase the recruitment of African American and Hispanic candidates. How will you do that? So at the CSU, we have both system-wide as well as campus initiatives to increase the percentage of teachers of color who we prepare and end up in our schools. And so I am particularly interested in the uh, investment by our governor, the proposed investment on the classified school employees um, credential program. We have experience from the initial investment about two years ago where this classified program identifies teacher's aides or instructional assistants or bus drivers who have demonstrated an interest in staying in their community and becoming a teacher. And so this is a really, really important way to help build those grow your own programs, if you will, for community members who are invested in their community and invested in their students. So I'm really looking forward to the graduates of those kinds of programs. 
Until recently, CSU had seen a decline in the number of candidates for teacher preparation programs. Do you think these incentive programs will, will turn that around? I think so, and we're already seeing that turnaround. And the decline, I would just add, is a national trend. So since the recession in 2008, students and their families were were not interested in becoming teachers because of what they were reading in the newspapers about teachers getting pink slips. That has changed dramatically over the last five to eight years. And if you look at data from the Commission on Teacher Credentialing, applications to teacher preparation programs statewide are inching up. One last question, and that is, this is, as Lewis said, a a hunk of change, over $500 million. So will this together solve our teacher shortage? It, It will address it. It won't solve it. The governor's proposed budget also invests in professional development for our existing teachers, which, again, is going to go a long way in addressing this teacher shortage. But we have a long way to go. We've been speaking with Marquita Grinnell-Shire. She is Assistant Vice-Chancellor at CSU and oversees teacher preparation programs. Thanks for speaking with us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for your interest. So to find out what a teacher residency program is like, let's speak to a graduate of the program. We have on the line Priscilla Bernardino, a second grade teacher at Fletcher Elementary in the Bakersfield City School District. Welcome, Priscilla. Hi, good morning, and thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So you're in your second year actually teaching at Fletcher, right? Yes, this is my second year teaching. So then you did a residency program two years ago. What drew you to a residency program? It really drew me about how it directly addresses critical teacher preparation and being able to retain those teachers in order to give them plenty of support in and out of the classroom. Well, describe what the program was like and why you found it worthwhile. The most valuable thing for me in the res- while I was during the residency program is the complete immersive experience of it in the classroom. So a typical week would look like from Monday through Thursday, you get a one-on-one meeting with your mentor teacher, and then you get to be with the students that you're going to be working for that semester not only does it happen every single day, but you actually start at the very first day of school. So you're able to really have that apprenticeship and you get a hands-on experience and from lesson planning and even delving into the routines later on. Did you get some kind of stipend that covered your living expenses? How did you manage that? Yeah, well, the program was really attractive in a way that it does give you that stipend and that opportunity to even add on to that stipend by substituting. You have that option to be a sub on Fridays. It seems like a key to the success of the program would be the teacher that you are working with, the mentor teacher. We were assigned mentors, and I'm really just fortunate enough to have both teachers who were really amazing. And I had Katherine Davis, who is a fourth grade teacher, who's really so dedicated and like taught me so much about organization and being able to like cover all bases and make sure that, you know, assessments and grading and all that. Meanwhile, I was assigned to a first grade teacher, Jamie Cook, who has shown the greatest of parts that I could possibly mimic and actually practice the same way in the classroom. We've been speaking with Priscilla Bernardino, a second grade teacher at the Fletcher School in the Bakersfield City School District. Thanks for joining us, Priscilla. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
John, we've been talking about just a portion of the $900 million for teacher preparation and recruitment. Where are some of the other funds going to? In fact, the majority of the funds. Well, there'll be $100 million in stipends called the Golden State Teacher Fellowships or Teacher Grants, and that provides $20,000 in college tuition for aspiring teachers who are willing to commit to four years of teaching in a high-need school. Okay, that's something that people have been pushing for a long time. I think we had something like that quite a few years ago, but it was eliminated. We did before the recession, exactly right, and it started up again last year in lesser amount. And we'll have something called local grants, which we don't even know what they are, but they're about $200 million. So when the governor comes out with an explanation, we'll learn more about it. And we'll also have a program to have teachers' aides who want to become teachers. We'll sort of pay for their college and their credentials to get them in the classroom. And not only teachers' aides, anybody in the school who's working around kids who wants to become a teacher. Exactly right. And uh, they started this a few years ago under Governor Brown. It's producing some positive results. I think the assumption is, look, you've been around the classroom, you've been around kids, so you know what it's all about, and so if you want to become a teacher, we'll help you do it. I don't want to let you go before we comment just briefly on just a couple of the other big buckets of the governor's budget. One is early ed. He is pushing forward on universal preschool for low-income four-year-olds. One more down payment this year, and he says by next year, all low-income four-year-olds should have access to subsidized preschool. That would be a pretty big deal. He says he has that commitment. He's got a master plan he's working on, but he says we're on that timeline. I'd have to say also on the higher ed front, some disappointment there. He is calling for an additional 5% funding for CSU and UC, and that's ongoing money and 3.9% for community colleges. Well, that's less than the systems wanted. And I think there's some expectation now that there will be a, some pressure on the legislature to bump up those numbers. We'll see what happens. And as Edgar said, there's almost a billion dollars for special education as well. And the governor has some really strong ideas about how to change that system. That's a big infusion of money that districts have been paying for out of their general funds before now. So that's encouraging. Nonetheless, you know, there's going to be tension. There are going to be people who say, I want more money for the local control funding formula. We need more subsidies for pensions, which the governor provided last year. So it's not a done deal, Lewis. There'll be a lot of discussion. At the same time, this is not like a President Trump proposal that arrives in the legislature dead on arrival. This is basically the presenting the basic architecture of the budget that will be approved. There's going to be negotiations. There's going to be horse trading. But given the fact that we have a Democratic governor, Democratic legislature, most of this is going to go through in the way the governor has proposed it. Well, as Governor Newsom frequently reminds us, this is not Washington, D.C. This is California. Thank goodness. (laughs) Well, John, I think our listeners have heard enough from us. Let's hear a couple of other perspectives on the budget. I'm Arun Ramanathan. I'm the CEO of Pivot Learning. We're a nonprofit in Oakland, California. We work with districts in California and all over the country to improve teaching and learning and close achievement gaps. You know, as I look at the governor's budget, those are areas that I actually see him focusing on. Uh, And and actually, this is the first time in a long time uh, that we've seen this kind of leadership coming uh, from the governor and potentially also from the legislature. This is Varsha Sarveshwar, president of the University of California Student Association. Governor Newsom's proposed 5.8% permanent funding increase for UC will go a long way toward the affordability, accessibility, and quality of a UC education for current and future students. And we're especially excited about the governor's proposal to extend the UC summer financial aid program, which helps students graduate on time to 2023. 
Moving forward, we hope to work with the governor to incorporate financial aid reform in the final budget, because addressing the total cost of attendance is key to fighting housing and food insecurity on our campuses. This is Shiloni Cruz-Gonzalez, president of the California School Boards Association. We applaud the governor's emphasis on teacher preparation, community schools, and funding for early intervention programs and special education. And as impressive as $3.4 billion in new revenue for public schools sounds, it actually represents a modest increase that falls far short of the funding needed to provide all California students with a high quality education. And that wraps it up for this week's podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra and Ed Source's own Justin Allen. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>